so the format of this, there's two parts, I guess there's the expat and then the entrepreneur. So uh, generally we'll just start with yourself and, you know, your sort of your life towards becoming an expat. Um, and then, you know, your life as a businessman, um, you know, how you start businesses and where that, where that, where that's going as well. So up to you how far back in time you start <laughs> that story from yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know if, if, if you're, you're welcome to you know explain sort of where you grew up how that was and how that sort of okay. allowed your path to, to end up where it is if you like you're from london so originally? What, yeah roehampton i was born so so yeah. Uh, you want to you want to hear how I got out here first, yeah, like what the like traveling bit yeah, is, and I'm, then the business. I'll, I'll, I mean, I would even go further than that. It's sort of like you know how you ended up. So you you went to a circus school, I understand, which is is uh, yeah, I'll very give you the whole back, yeah, I'll get, yeah, I'll give yeah. you the whole background. Yeah, yeah it's I'll interesting. Start back when so. I was, I'll start back when I was born. Yeah, <laughs> I will go back to before, but I'll do it very quickly for you. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> cool. And then a day camp, this happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't need the hyper hyper detail, but I have to say some of the yeah, things yeah, yeah. in your in your past are very unusual. So I'm certainly interested in how you end up in, in, in half the things that you've done. So there must be a, cool, cool, some cool. critical moments, I guess, that, that, that got you there. Yeah, yeah. cool. So that's Roehampton, I mean, that's not too far from me. I'm from Twickenham, so... Um, yeah, well, I know, yeah. Oh, gosh, I know Twickenham really well. I was, yeah. So we moved out to, we moved out to Sunbury. Um, okay. Yeah, we, we were, we, Roehampton, then we were in Mort, my, my dad's job was Mortlake, right. or, or Barnes, so we were in Mortlake, then we moved out to Sunbury. So yeah, f- friends in Twickenham, Richmond, all yeah. that. I love that, I love that area, it's lovely. Same, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's the yeah. end goal, I think, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, we, we've been looking actually places in, in Richmond at the moment and it's, it's just, go, yeah, just gorgeous there. Love yeah. It. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Really and and, and really I'm familiar with Bishop Wand, which is where you went to school. Are you? Day. Yes. How are you, how, are you, well, how are you familiar with that? We used to wow. play them at rugby. So <laughs> I think they used to beat us quite significantly at rugby. We were only a small school, mm. but uh, mm. yeah, I'm familiar what with school, What school were you at? Uh, it's called St. James Independent yeah. School. It's, it's, it was in Twickenham. Uh, it's now in Ashford, so I've moved out a little bit. <laughs> the building is a massive upgrade. I don't know if you remember a girl's yeah. school called St. David's. So Yep, yeah, bought... next to Abbotsford or Ashford High and then St. David's. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I used so... to do gymnastics there. That was like oh, right, one of my original places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they've now bought that, so that, that's their new premise. So the building's an upgrade, but yeah, oh, right. they're not in Twickenham anymore. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, no, it's a big, big piece of land, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but Twickenham... Yeah, Twickenham on rugby days is just so much fun. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? That's, that's, so uh, much fun. So. That's where I ran my first bar, actually. So that was uh, an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Cool. So you, you, you grew up around that area. And then uh, yeah. what went from there? How did you end up going into... So you did gymnastics as a, as a young guy? Yeah, brought up in um, uh, Roehampton, moved to Mortlake with dad's job, went out, moved to Sunbury... Sure. And then went to my first gymnastics club at the age of four with mum taking me and my brother. So I was four. My brother was two years older than me, six. Mum did gymnastics when she was a kid. So um, she had a, you know, it was a thing. I think she wanted wanted us to try out when we were kids. And we went to yeah, gymnastics in Ashford at Spelthorne Gymnastics Club, which was at Ashford High School next to St. David's. Right. Um, and we went there for our first gymnastics class. Absolutely loved it. I mean, I, I can have memories still back to that age, you know, when I was four. It's like, right, 
remember it. It was great. So me and my brother were doing gym. Mum got quite involved at gymnastics and she um, started coaching. So we were then down in the gym like once a week, twice a week, three times a week, four times a week. So mum got really involved and we got involved as, as, as kids and absolutely, absolutely loved, loved it and just yeah progress through to competition level from the age of like six started doing competitions brother went on to do other sports um and what have you we were living in yeah we're living in Sunbury so it was like right next door to Ashford um getting into the club and then yeah developed through the gymnastics and competed for the southeast of England um in my teens uh moved clubs to a sort of a club better suited for men's six-piece artistic gymnastics because back in the day when I did it you had to do all six pieces of apparatus so you right. couldn't just choose like you can now so six pieces of apparatus competed for the southeast was southeast champion for four or five years on the trot um uh, so competed at the national finals and uh, uh progressed with my gymnastics up until about the age of 19 um okay. During that time, there was a couple of guys that came down to our gym club. I was now at Woking Gymnastics Club, which is a great club, still is a great club. Um, a couple of stunt guys came down to the gym who were working on Judge Dredd, the movie, with uh, yeah. uh, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone yeah. That's the one at yeah. Shepperton <laughs> Studios, right, right, next door to, yeah. right next door to Sunbury. Um, and I was just looking at these guys. I think I was like 13 or 14. And I was wow, this is a bit, they're really cool. They were in just training, keeping fit, keeping active while they were filming got chatting with them and they were like hey um you know you'd be a good stunt man I mean uh, anyone in the gym at that sort of a, a national level would have probably been a good stunt man because it's a good background uh, <laughs> yeah. for stunts so it, it sparked this interest in me of uh okay this could be something I, I might sort of consider going into so um yeah long story short I guess with with that side of it I, I, I went on to uh, a circus school so I went to college and did had an attempt at doing A-levels and that was Strode's College in Egham. I'm completely not an ac academic, failed sure. maths, failed English, failed all the, the academic stuff. Um, went to Bishop One School in Sunbury, had a terrible time, right. um, which has probably sparked a lot of the things I'm doing now in business. Um, having, sure. it's, it's just, I think everyone says this about, you know, school is very character building. Um, yeah. the, the good, bad and the ugly. And uh, yeah, wasn't academic. So I actually ended up going to a circus school um, in, uh, in Old Street in London. Okay. And it was a, a I did a, a diploma in performing arts and circus. Mum found an advert in a newspaper for first year diploma in performing arts and circus. Yeah. This course that they'd created or invented in partnership with it was with a local college that they sort of partnered with to uh, to create this course. So um, academic course, but it was at sure. circus school, which which was the first sort of circus school in London inside Hoxton, at Hoxton Square inside the old power station. So big high ceilings, yeah. trapezes, high wires, like a kid's playground. And yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> absolutely great. Yeah. You know, eyes wide open going in there. And, um, I got to you know, I got to play on all these apparatus of yeah, trapezes, learn to juggle and uh, throw fire around teeter boards and Russian swing. So I was literally doing wow. fun stuff most of my days. There was some boring bits to it, like as boring for me because I wasn't academic, but yeah. we had to learn about the history of circus and um, various bits that I probably sort of uh, blocked out. <laughs> but we got to perform 
because uh, as a kid I was also doing a bit of performing so um, I was on a, I was on an agency I did a bit of theater I uh, did some TV commercials and TV stuff as a, as a kid mum used to take me into London on the tube we'd go to audition after audition after audition and uh, so did a bit of acting a bit of performing um, I was on stage singing um, and using my gymnastics with like acrobatics on stage <laughs> as a kid so a I was I was in I was into it. I was into yeah. it. It was a, it, it was, it was fun. I was enjoying it. And um, we, uh, yeah, went to circus school. It was a two year course. And during my, during the days, during the mornings before I'd go to college, I'd be off actually training to become a stuntman because you had to, uh, and you still do, if you want to join the British stunt register, you have to train in certain sports. Okay. So I had to train in highball, 10 meter highball diving, uh, trampolining to a certain level my gymnastics was classed as a qualification with the level I competed at. Um, I did fencing. Um, there was a swimming and scuba diving qualification. I did rock climbing as well. So you had to get these sports to a pretty high standard, almost a regional standard in most. And you had to get um, your acting card, your British equity card. And you had to have about 60 days in, well, it was 60 days in front of camera to prove that you could perform and you could act. You could, it was quite a tough challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of people fail at it because it's yeah. tough. Um, I had the, the background of gymnastics and performing, so it was helpful. Um, so during my, in my mornings, I'd be off at like 5am doing highboard diving. I had a little motorbike at the time. I'd like from Sunbury to Crystal Palace highboard diving and Crystal Palace to Old Street for circus school. And then in the evenings, I'd be down at my gym club in Woking. I, I was keeping everything going. Yeah. Um, and then I, I trained for the stunt register while I was at, while I was at college. It took me about sort of eight to 12 months to get all these different qualifications. And the hardest bit for me was getting these days in front of the camera or days in a show that you had to present to get your equity card. So oh. during my summer holidays, I was off doing pantomimes with an acrobatic troupe. And then uh, summer holidays was stunt show time. So did a stunt show in Belgium for three months through my holidays. And then I'd be coming back on the Eurostar circus school weekend stunt show back just to pack it all in. So I could get my qualifications, carry on with my circus school stuff, um, which I completed uh, probably the first bit of academic I ever right. completed. So I got my, got my certificate. <laughs> and yeah, so that was my background. And then at the age of 21, I joined the British TV film and stunt register um, uh, as one of the, youngest stunt guys in the the uk and uh started working on tv shows and movies which i'm gonna tell you a bit more about but at the yeah. same time i also set up I, i'd become a qualified gymnastics coach okay. um from about the age of 14 in the gym i was always in early assisting my coaches and helping with the younger groups um so i went through the qualification system and got my my coaching qualifications and i I pursued that. I, I went on to sit on the uh, Surrey and the Southeast committees for gymnastics as the competition organizer and, um, you know, contributed to the sport from quite an early age. And at the age of uh, yeah, 21, in 1998, I set up my first little gymnastics club um, back at one of my schools, in my primary school in Sunbury at Kennington Manor School, um, set up a little club. And back then it literally was, I had no computer and no um, knowledge of marketing or anything. I was just a gymnastics coach. I'm going to set up a little club. And um, I was just putting flyers through doors and people were sending me bags of cash to go and coach their kids. And that's how Flair Gymnastics 
started back in 1998. Right. A lot more sophisticated now with our marketing. Yeah, of course. Um, but, but, <laughs> but back then, that, that was how we started a business. It was like, right, or how I thought you started a business. So I had that running and I was off doing shows and uh, TV and movie work. And I, I had to learn very early on to delegate and to build a small team. So I was bringing, literally bringing mates in that were coaches um, and creating a syllabus and some systems and processes for them to run the academy when I wasn't there um, and when I was off doing doing stuff. So things really grow really organically because I was in the stunt game for about 17 years. Wow. Um, yeah, so I haven't I haven't done any stunts for six, I think maybe six years now when I sort of retired from right. <laughs> from that cra- crazy life. But yeah, I went on to do went on to work on some. I've, I've seen the repertoire yeah it's uh and there's some yeah. really interesting ones in there as well from movies which i really liked which maybe a lot of people don't really remember so well the 28 days later zombie movies that was yeah, great danny, uh, danny boyle classic yeah. yeah and and also um um there's another danny boyle movie right which is sunshine uh maybe 28 weeks boyle. later something with tea i remember it's very unusual i remember walking out the cinema and just thinking, I don't know how I feel about that, but it was... Was it Train Spotting? his first? It's, uh, it's very similar to that. Uh, oh, okay. I'll have to look. It's a trance, that was it. Trance. Oh, Trance, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. That was an interesting movie to work on, yeah. Trance, yeah. That was bizarre, but like one of those ones where you, yeah. I still remember it, even though I don't think it was particularly well acclaimed at the time or whatever, but it's going to certainly, you know, live on for, for what it was. Yeah. But yeah. So that was one of my questions, yeah. actually, which you kind of covered is... Um, like the process once you decide okay I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a stuntman i didn't realize there was any sort of um requirements <laughs> i thought it was just you know right you just you just got to be crazy enough to just say all right <laughs> run me over or whatever so there's actually a, a oh. massive process that you have to go through which is quite difficult yeah it's i mean it's it's, it's good and bad that the it's good that there's some process in place where the, the uk is is more I can't call it regulated, but there there sure. is a process to go through before they they'll let you do stuff. But equally, it it pulls a lot of talent out of the equation because the qualifications have come very sanitized over the years mm. with these sports, where you get these very polished polished sports people becoming right. stunt people. Whereas back in the day, before all these qualifications, you would get all sorts of shapes and sizes and yeah. and, and 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 people coming in to to do stunt work. Um, you need to be physically and mentally fit to do stunts. Um, it's it's a you know it's a challenging game. The film industry is punishing, hugely long days, and it's and it's a machine. Um, and you're you're very disposable. It's it, it, it's uh, it's a machine. There's lots of people that want to do it. So it yeah. does become a networking game. Once you've got these qualifications and there is this framework to, to get on, you've then got to be a marketer. And yeah. that's where a lot of people, a lot of talented stunt guys actually fail because they don't know how to market themselves. Their, their communication skills might not be up there. Sure. And they, they, they don't get on in the, in the game. The ones that get on in the game are the ones that actually can communicate and market and put themselves forward for, for jobs because you've got to, you're only as good as your last piece of work. Mm. Um, you've got to look after your health physically and mentally, and you've got to be physically top of your game. Injuries can happen. Yeah, um, but yeah, if any stunt guy says that they're not scared, they're either stupid or <laughs> lying. You know, it's like, it's a yeah. scary, it's a scary feat. You're, you know, you're standing up at hundred foot and you've got to jump onto an airbag uh, when someone calls action. 
Um, oh, and by the way, you're on fire and you've got a mask over there. You can have limited vision or, and you've got to go backwards. And yeah. they throw these curveballs in at you. And there's lots of rehearsals on movies. You get a lot of rehearsal time. Television's very different. It's very in and out. Um, I did a stack of TV. It was my favorite type of stunt work because it was very quick. The movie process is hugely slow, but yeah, working with, fortunate enough to have worked with Danny on, uh, uh, yeah, 28 days later, uh, 28 weeks later, trance, yeah. phenomenal director. Um, I, I actually read for a part of one of the soldiers on that 28 days later. Um, I remember the character, but got cast as one of the infected zombies, yeah, as, yeah. <laughs> as you call them, and, and got to do some stunt work on there. Um, and yeah, went on to, to work on movies, including like Harry Potter, worked on the Game of Thrones, Sherlock Holmes, Gulliver's Travels, like lots of the uh, big names with big big movies with the big yeah. stars in them. But the process is the same, whether it's a, a sort of small movie or a big movie, you're, you know, you're working as a team, teamwork's really important. Communication and trust have got to be there with the team. And uh, you've got to be yeah fit and healthy and able to get up at, yeah four in the morning and finish at midnight and <laughs> yeah. just the punishingly long days and it great fun when I was in my 20s through to my 30s I, I did a really good ride um but completely fell out of love with the movie industry um and knew that my passion and vision was to contribute beyond just throwing myself okay. around and having a bit a bit of fun but no some hugely talented people that I've met along the way from actors directors producers uh, to other stunt guys, uh, wardrobe, uh, yeah. makeup, costume, just the, the, the whole array. It's You throw these professionals in the mix and they've, they've got to put the goods together in a short space of time. It's like, uh, but you, you find it's a bit of a click. These people will move from movie to movie to movie right. um, using the same, same teams, which is kind of sensible, really. If you think about it, if you're a producer, you want people yeah. that can produce the results. You've got this, you know, you've got to get a return on the investment. Yeah, of course. Um, so it's, it's a bit, and I just, I worked it out like early on. This is a money machine. This is a game. It's a business game. Um, yeah. Yes, there's artistic processes involved, but it, it's a, it's a machine. And um, you've got to, you've got to play your bit in the game. Otherwise you won't get, you know, uh, used really to sure. play your part um, within there. And that goes for the, the, the top actors as well. They've got to do their bit. If they don't produce the results, then... No, they're no, absolutely. Down too. And, and and of course, you know, being on the finance side of, of things, I often see pitch decks for for movies, and and you realise, you know, it is an investment process as well. You're right; it's a business. I suppose they need and they promise, you know, X return, and yeah, it makes sense to have a team that you can depend on, I guess, to deliver that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd imagine that makes it very hard to get in in the first place. What yeah. is that process like? Is, is, do you have an agency that you have to go to auditions, or like how, how does that look? Or you just have to meet someone? Good, yeah, good question. Good question. So, so it's an, there's an array of ways in. Um, so yes, there's auditions um, normally run by the stunt coordinator or the production company. Sure. If it's for a featured role or a commercial or a doubling role, you'd normally be cast for it. So they would see lots of different people for it. So there is a process. Um, if you're playing a part or a character and you've got to deliver lines and dialogue, they want to audition you to see that you can you can uh, deliver the goods. Um, you have a 
a resume in a, in a book, which is electronic now, and they'd literally flick through yeah. and they're, you know, I'm looking for these people. The stunt coordinator gets a breakdown, uh, gets a script for the movie, and then they do a breakdown of all the different stunts involved um, from the budget that they get given to go, right, I've got these scenes I've got to deliver in and I've got to put little teams together of stunt people and I'm looking for people to double, I'm looking for people to play characters. And from that process, they'll work probably with a casting director to, to put the teams together. Um, once you're in as a stunt guy on a movie, you'd normally stay on it. So you sort of sure. get a run of a few months on a movie and you're, you're, so there's normally a core team and then they'll bring specialists in to do certain stuff. I was often brought in to be hit that, um, to be hit by a car, okay. fall downstairs or do some kind of acrobatic trick off of a building or a height because that was my niche. They'd be like, oh, Richard gets hit. Well, it looks good getting hit by a car or falling downstairs. So you get known for the stunts that you're good at. Sure. Um, you get known for um, being able to deliver when they call action, being reliable, turning up on time, good communicator and a good team player because you're sitting around with these guys for a long time on set and nobody wants someone who's sort of draining the energy or is boring. So yeah. it's really who you get on with. The stunt coordinators get their work directly normally from line producers. Um, the line producers like, right, I need a stunt coordinator for this movie and they'll look at their resume. Um, and the, yeah, the auditions, when, you, when you're more well-known, you'll get a call directly from a stunt coordinator and just say, are you free tomorrow? Are you free next week? Are you free next month? It's a day of work. It's two days of work. It's a month. It's three months because they're putting their core team together and they know they can rely on you. So sure. that's generally how it would happen once you're established. But getting your foot through the door, you would literally be... Um, I mean, I, I get stunt guys still contact me today to say, how do you get work? You know, how do you get busy? So it's giving them the marketing tips and tricks to be able to get get through the door to get those um, auditions and to get to meet and get in front of stunt coordinators. I used to go on observation days. So I would phone up a stunt coordinator or their assistant and say, hey, can I come and help out? Can I come and make the oh, tea, hold the, hold the crash mat? And there is a structure of observation days where they'll bring new guys in and they'll say, hey, we're running an observation day. Do you want to come in and we're setting someone on fire? And you get to see how it's done, right? As you do, you get to see how it's done. Um, you get to see the safety and they might have you as part of the safety team. So there's observation days. There's some training days that are kind of not official, but are run by, by stunt people that want to make a difference and want to make the industry safer. Um, there's, uh, observa observation days were my biggie, but my big, my big way to get continued work was follow up. It was like following up with a thank you card, um, a phone call to say thank you or a text message now or something to say, you know, thank, thank you. Really yeah. appreciate you giving me your time to, and they were the coordinators that I would go on to work with where I'd sent a follow up. Thank you. And I would genuinely am thankful for, yeah. for, for going in, but just marketing tricks to be able to to, to, to get in rather, rather than just literally broadcasting your CV to everybody on an email, which people still do. I mean, they, they, and, yeah. and they won't get work. So yeah, there's, there's ways in, there's um, knowing a line producer or knowing a director or knowing somebody and coming in and being introduced, but it's people by people, right? It's uh, the company or the, the film crew, cast and crew is a collection of people in the same way that a business is a collection of people and it's the people that make the magic happen and people yeah. if you get on well you produce a good result and if you do you know if you all know what you're doing and you're professionals 
you'll produce a good result. So, yeah, it's a, a, quite a good business lesson in the stunt game. It's like, yeah, it sounds if like you've it, got your, yeah, you if get you've that, got your eyes yeah. open. Yeah, it's pe- people's skills, I guess. That or everything you said translates into everything that we do. You know, actually, if you applied those principles yeah. to to anything, you'll probably get a better result. <laughs> you know, so completely very interesting. That's uh, that's yeah, it's just so different from um, my own or anyone I know's background, especially at that age as well. You know, <laughs> you know I think back at yeah, 19, what was I doing? I think. <laughs> probably on a bench <laughs> in a park somewhere you know it's like, <laughs> being, <laughs> being that organized with your your time um yeah. you know, to do all those things um is, is very impressive so you, you must have just been extremely driven always you know is that how you are I, as a person i am as a person i think my my organization skills have come from my mum who's an organized yeah. person um she bought me my first Franklin planner when I was at college and taught me how to plan my day and my to-do list and how to, how to use a diary. And I think, you know, it's a basic skill that school doesn't, I don't know if it teaches it now, I shouldn't think so, but it's like a basic skill that a parent's passed on to a son. And I keep a really detailed diary now to this day and a to-do list. And I use the same fundamentals that my mum taught me. Yeah. There's tools and apps for it now, but, it's exactly the same principle. And I still like pen and paper. Um, gymnastics 100% got me disciplined and focused. It taught me how to set goals. It taught me how to break the goal down and how to um, learn from the failures towards the goal as well. So sure. it helped me It helped me reach goals. And that ultimately is what my companies do now is we, we teach kids to goal set um it gave me the confidence in my physical and mental ability to be able to get out there and do stunts because it's a it's a mentally challenging game um gymnastics is at national level at regional national and and then international level i mean must be a even but it is a bigger pressure cooker as well you're taught how to deal with stress and pressure and to be able to compartmentalize it and actually focus on the task in hand and gymnastics has given me that uh, it's given me the life skills um, that school failed in. Um, uh, my, my parents gave me the, the, the support and encouragement to, to, to pursue and to stick at something, um, to find something I love doing. And that, you know, that to me is what's got me to where I am today and what allowed me to be focused and driven to become a stuntman. It was like, well, I'm not going to give up. It was, it was hard to get onto the stunt register. It's like it's a hard task with a sporting background and it was why you, there aren't many stunt guys that are registered uh, performers because um, it's a hard thing to get into yeah. and then it's even harder to get work. So you have to, you have to learn all these, these skills, you know, quite fast if you want to make some yeah. cash and survive. Um, so yeah, definitely gymnastics is what gave me that, those life skills to be able to do the, the to get into the stunt game sure. 100%. 100 percent coming on to your business then um which is flair gymnastics and it's um obviously a gymnastics school correct and so you started that when you were 21 that was your first yeah yeah i was uh 1998 i was um i had my coaching qualifications i was living at home and i needed to um continue with my 
stuck pursue my stunt stuff but i also needed an income stream um that would help support that so i'd you know i i started flare gymnastics out of a necessity um and also out of wanting to continue to coach and contribute i wanted to pass on what i'd learned from gymnastics and the, sure. the journey that i'd had and ultimately wanted kids to feel that feeling that i got in the gym of wow i can do this it really confidence is what it's it's still our message today we build confident kids through gymnastics so 1998 i approached my old primary school and said hey can i hire your hall i had zero zero finance for this it was like starting it from nothing i literally had no computer borrowed next door's printer she my next door neighbor she knocked me up a uh, poster that we put up at the school uh, we did some flyers that i literally went door to door around the whole area with a little tear off slip saying send your three pounds or whatever it was back then in this envelope and i literally got about 20 envelopes back with cash. Nobody knew who I was. It was I just said, you know, I'm a qualified gymnastics coach. I used to go to this school. I'm going to be in on Saturday coaching a gymnastics class. Do you bring your kids along? So we started with like 20 kids. My mum was one of my first coaches um, back in 98. So we did it together. And then, but she said at the very beginning, she said, I'm not going to carry on coaching. I'll give you one term, like one term of uh, classes and then you've got to find other coaches so that forced me to start building a team so we went from sort of 20 kids to 100 really quickly um, and wow. I was coaching um, and literally they just bring a bag of money and put it in the in, in, the, in the bucket and, and I'd be like oh this is good so I could pay yeah. some rent I could pay some bills and I could also get out there auditioning and, and hustling for work so sure. I was still doing shows at the time um, for, for work too i was doing pantomime season stunt shows um uh, working at the royal opera house as an acrobat and uh, in with placido domingo in covent garden doing operas all like you name it I, i'm out there just hustling with 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 work doing tv commercials commercials photo shoots circus jobs juggling anything i could do that would that would help me keep building the skill set the resume um, and get me in front of people. Um, whilst then on like a Saturday, I was running my little gymnastics club, coaching kids, which soon went from one day to two days to three days as we grew. And then I get offered my first sort of batch of filming and I'm like, mm, I'm away for three months working on a movie. So I had to then delegate, put some systems in place um, and, and start building a small team. So I was continually running running the school, running the gymnastics academy. And we started a school branch. We started going into schools and we put Olympians into schools. They did assemblies and presentations. There's like another arm growing off it. And uh, it, it organically grew. Um, we went from one site to two sites to three sites. And now we're at five venues in the UK. And we just, we just yeah. launched in Dubai. Um, We've got our eyes on, we were going to be launching in China. So we've got our eyes on China and I'm out to, US, to the US uh, shortly to uh, the Florida, to Orlando, Tampa area, looking at a project over there. So yeah, we've, that, it started back in 98 with just me and my mum in the gym wow. coaching these kids and they loved it and they came yeah. back. So it was, you know. Did, was, did uh, she uh, stick to the one term promise and then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 she was actually she had a full time job, and yeah. you know she's working, and yeah, she had her life, and you know my brother 
my brother moved out when he was sort of 16, 17. I, I moved out a few years after that, once I started getting stunt jobs under my belt. Um, but yeah, she, she, she had her life to, to live, you know, it's yeah, like, fair. which I, I really salute her for. It's, I think more parents need to get more um, brutal with their kids and kick them out of home a lot earlier. Um, it's like their job's yeah. done by the time the kids are sort of late teenager. Job done, mum and dad. Like, move on over. Yeah. They need to need to learn um and be and contribute to society so yeah she did me a lot of favors with the way she parented um probably without knowing it like quite just instinctly with just like the planner the franklin planner was it sticks in my mind because i just remember using it every day until i went digital and it was just such a good system that she taught me such a good life skill um but also teaching me how to stick at doing something so uh the support that they gave me and my brother to 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 stick at something to stay at doing a sport whereas I witness so many families now just hopping from club to club to club to club and the kids never get good at anything and they're confused and they're just overstimulated um with all these clubs and it's like I think that the parents need to focus (laughs) to help their kids focus and say right let's understand what the kids are actually good at and what they naturally like doing and then they and they enjoy let's help them focus on that and get good at that thing um otherwise it just causes chaos yeah no, actually, no. i just see i see patterns i've seen patterns over the years i think what we've been going 23 years now and you just see patterns and it does repeat yeah no i, I can completely relate to that as well i think um you know it's, it's that sort of growth and fixed mindset thing isn't it that um, and I was probably guilty of this at a young age of if I wasn't naturally immediately good at something, then I would go and do something else. And then when you realize that you're not actually naturally good at anything, then you end up doing nothing. <laughs> that's, that's the problem with that, that sort of mindset. So obviously now looking back, um, you know, I can see where that came from. And, and, and I watched your TED talk about um, schools teaching people not to think basically and I think that resonates quite strongly with 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 myself um and, and it's very true and I actually when I was watching that I thought of a, um a, a question around that do you especially nowadays where we are um where we seem to be in quite an interesting place both politically and with many things going on um many things which I personally think require a lot of thinking about and do you think that that has progressed in society do you, do you think that we're heading more towards an environment where children and adults I guess as well are thinking more or being taught to think more critically or do you think we've actually regressed or that that problem hasn't even been addressed yet I don't think it's been addressed um it, it, I think it's trying to be addressed by business owners um, business owners are taking on the responsibility to address it because we're now employing kids that have come through a really broken system called school, um, which is great if you're at an average student, but anyone who's below average academically, I mean, if you're below average academically or above uh, uh, academia uh, average, you're failed. You are failed by this broken system, which is just teaches, teaches children to go from school to pass exams to go to another school to pass exams to go to another school 
it's a Victorian system to train people to sit in factories and, and, and build stuff and now to sit in cubicles yeah. on, on workstations and now to sit at home in a workstation on a Zoom meeting like a robot. And it's, it's, it's broken. It's a complete suppression of creativity. And this is the, 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 the private schools and the, uh, the, the national schools and, 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 and having seen schools across the US, same problem. Um, so are we teaching children to think critically yet? No, um, it's, it's, we need to break the cycle. So we need to teach the teachers how to think critically first, um, in my opinion. And the, the, the parenting, uh, it, that will break the cycle and help the new parents learn how to think independently. It's through sport is a great vessel to think critically, um, to help kids to understand problem solving, to be able to set goals, to learn these life skills and this inner confidence, which sport is a huge, huge teacher of um, because of the how it teaches you to, to win and fail. Yeah. Um, but I, I think we are um, overstimulating kids with um, so many choices. And then we get choice paralysis where they just don't know what to focus on because they're given all these choices because parents want to give their children everything. Uh, these children get very confused. Um, we're given instant gratification, um, particularly through social media, um, without any understanding of delayed gratification which yeah. is just amplified through hits of dopamine when somebody likes a photo on social media. And that's very dangerous yeah. because we get dopamine overload. Um, so we're overstimulating kids, um, giving them so much choice that the fundamentals are being completely you know, missed, which, which, which means we're not teaching kids to think independently. Yeah. They're literally just following a trend um, of what's, you know, washing, washing through, but we need, to, we need to help the teachers, but uh, that's my, I think we need to break the cycle. Yeah. The cycle needs to be broken to help teachers to think independently and critically. And they, don't get me wrong. So many amazing teachers that are just trapped in this. They've come into teaching because they want to make a difference. And then they're just told to teach a syllabus, a curriculum that yeah. is just fallen off the arc. Um, and it's, uh, they're being forced to teach these things and it's, 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 uh, but then it's their job to then break the system and, and get out and recognize it, yeah. but lots are trapped in it. Um, so yeah, it just answers your question in a roundabout yeah, yeah. way, but yeah, I think does. business owners, business owners are being, are taking on the responsibility as we quite rightfully should, because we are employing the generation that's coming through. Um, where we need critical thinking is like we need that to, to progress the planet. You know, it's sure. it's it's huge. It's hugely important. We need independent independent thinkers that can think outside of the box, can critically think. We need confident people that are confident in themselves and their abilities. Um, so we need, you know, we need more sports clubs, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, more, 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 more organizations that are doing more stuff on, on character building and sure. a mindset with the children. Because the, the physicality of a sports club is merely a byproduct, in my opinion, at recreational level. It's only when you get to the elite international high performance side of it where it becomes more about, uh, you know, the, the performance and, and yeah. the, this one thing. But the the, the the life skills that we're teaching through sport such as failure um and, and winning and goal setting are the bits that are so important to building that kid's that kid's character yeah. and, and building their ultimately ultimately building their confidence oh absolutely and when kids come to your school 
Um, do you have an, like obviously they do gymnastics, but mm. how do you build in this ethos as you know into that syllabus sort of thing that that you put together? Yeah. Do, you, do you have like um, sessions with them where you explain you know what is there like a process around that? Yes, good question. And yes, we do. We every every kid gets a student training diary, um, okay. and we literally teach the children how to set a goal and how to connect that That's with awesome. a pen onto a bit of paper. Um, so we have a goal set a goal setting session with the kids. Sure. You know, what do you want to learn this term? We have an award syllabus that progresses the kids from a level one all the way through to a level fifteen, where they progress through these building blocks. They start to learn how to build the map. To produce the result the goal that they want want to set and then most importantly which is missed out in goal setting by you know adults running companies is um the reflection on did i reach that goal or didn't i so at the end of each term we have a reflections class where the children reflect back on what did they learn how did they feel about the classes how do they feel about not reaching their goal how do they feel about reaching a goal um helping them observe a feeling to recognize it's a normal process that we can yeah. help them connect with that um, helping them reflect on how could I do it better next time to help them critically think um, if I reached the goal what did I do that helped me reach that goal that got me there yeah. um, what did I do really well what didn't I do so well that I could improve on celebrating every win um, and recognizing it's important to celebrate the wins and it's okay to fail because failure is just feedback and that's a biggie. It's like helping kids to process that emotion and go, yeah, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, having the tears and the tantrum and going, yeah, okay, that, that happens. Um, and we get the tears and the tantrum from the parent. Why didn't my child pass that level? Well, your child wasn't at the current required standard to pass that level. Go and process it, Mr. Mum and Mr. Dad. You know, it's like, it's really important that we yeah. help educate, educate the whole family. Um, but we're, we're working in partnerships with families. We want to um, be that that part that can help develop their, their their life skills and their confidence because the feedback from this goal setting and achieving a goal is confidence confidence of in your course. ability to be able to get there but then when we teach about the failure and processing what does failure mean we're really helping them to just smash through in life when they because yeah. when you can understand failure is okay you're less scared to fail <laughs> because you know that it's just feedback um, so yeah. you're taking the fear or a lot of the fear out of the equation um, and helping them to really recognize it. It's all right um, if, if, if they fall over, if they don't land that skill, if they don't get it quite right, if it doesn't get checked off in their diary. But we map, track, measure, reward and celebrate um, in our process at, at the academy. And we communicate really well to the parents to help them be part of that journey. Uh, one of the big things that we're about at Flair Gymnastics Academy is to serve the kids club market in a way better level and standard with the communication than they've been served in the past sure. in the UK, particularly. I've seen it out here as well in Dubai. It's the parents and kids club market is deeply underserved. Um, and we really need to lift the games and the standards with that so that we can show um, systems and processes that work. Sure. We can give really good levels of customer service. So we also teach that as part of the program. So we have service standards that we teach our staff okay. and the staff teach the children about the service standards so they can lift their game 
and implement it into their own lives. We also teach it to the parents. In our parents, we don't call them rules. We call it the flair necessities for parents. And we teach them the flair necessities of how to be a great and supportive uh, gymnastics academy parent. So we, we, we put those messages forward throughout our, our marketing, throughout our program, throughout our messaging, throughout our podcasts like this. And yeah. we talk about the flair necessities and they start with safety and then they go to courtesy, performance and efficiency. And it's our business service standards that we're literally echoing across the company through the, through the syllabus and program and all the way through to the parents. So that's how we implement some that's of great. it. That's some of our, no, mag- some no, of our I like magic. That. I like that a lot, actually. That's great. I, f- I think as a parent, you're getting a huge, you're getting value. You're not just dumping your kids somewhere. They're going to do something and, you know, you're actually helping them develop as a parent as well. And uh, that's, you know, I think there's probably a huge amount of parents out there who need that and don't realize they need it. So that's very cool. Um, yeah. How, uh, so Dubai's your first international branch? Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Why, why Dubai for starters? That, that's a great, great question. So we had this crazy year last year. I don't know if you remember it or if you've I've blocked, tried to forget, it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we, as, as have many companies and organizations in the UK, we've, we got closed down. So um, we had five academies running, uh, partnerships with schools across the UK and our schools particularly were a, a very big income stream to us. Um, and we, we literally got, we got closed turned off overnight, as did many businesses. Um, As a business owner, pivot online, most sports academies went online. We literally had a platform online anyway, and we we turned it on and pushed hard with this online platform overnight. And we offered it up as a support for other gymnastics and sports clubs for free for all their members. So we built this online platform called the Gym Classroom, and we gave it to free as a free resource. We pumped daily videos into it, daily lives, before everyone was doing lives, we were doing lives, recorded content, mindset training, um, talks, linking to podcasts, having just a massive platform called the Gym Classroom. And we offered it for free. And we're now in 20 different countries and have tens of thousands of users um, because of that. So we, we put this platform together, pivoted, and then I'd already been in discussions about building an academy in China, um, in Beijing, with uh, some school partnership programs that were operating over there. So I'd ring fenced this cash and budget for this project. And I really didn't want to put that into bailing us out as a company. So we pushed hard with the gym platform, uh, gymnastics, gym, the, the, the gym classroom platform. And we kept over communicating with our customers, opening up when we were allowed to, and then being closed down again, um, playing the, you know, playing the game with that in the, in, in the UK. And we're still limping in the UK as many businesses are, we're limping out of this, um, you know, with, with less members than we had before with the schools, just about letting us back into the schools. So we're not out of, well, we're out of the woods in terms of the business is solid, but yeah. You know the country and the nation, as you know, we, the, yeah, we've got the uh, furlough furlough system coming to an end. Employers can't bring staff back sure. uh, into their businesses. We're going to see a lot of aftermath pain with this. You know, we can print as much money as we want as nations. You know, quantitative easing, but <laughs> it ultimately doesn't. Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't solve the problem. So we're going to see some corrections. I think we're all 
ready for that. And it's going to be the businesses that have got that war chest of cash, good systems, good people, good processes that are going to survive and, and, and push you out after. So we were looking at China. Can't get into China still at the moment. So no. um, we, I, January, beginning of this year in January, I was like, right, let's go and explore some opportunities. Who's open for business? And the, the, the UAE was like, we're open for business. You can operate here. You can, we closed, we did the lockdown during the first wave as everyone did, but then we went, no, nope, let's encourage businesses to trade. And I was like, well, that's a sensible idea. <laughs> um, that, that's how not to crash an economy. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I flew out here and started networking and uh, chatting to people. I knew, had a few contacts out here through other contacts in the UK that I met with. Um, I met with a fantastic um, parkour company called Parkour DXB, um, mm. who gave me some great insights. And I started looking at uh, warehouses and facilities and started going, right, where can I invest? And I was looking to invest in property, um, but also get an academy running out here. It's like, right, how can we do this in the most efficient way? Parkour DXB were in Al-Khuz yeah. in Dubai. Um, that was their venue. And they approached me, I think it was only in February, maybe it may have been March, and said, hey, we've been our landlord is looking at acquiring this facility down in Port Rashid. Do you want to come and have a look at it with us? And I said, well, before I do that, have you done a demographic a study? Have you, you know, has it got footfall? Where is it? I, I don't know Dubai at all at this stage. Yeah. So um, me and my team, we're like, right, let's do a demographic study. Where's where are all the schools? What's the, what's the, you know, the, the roads and the, because I didn't know the area at all. So that was a really good learn. Did the whole learning about the areas. And it worked out pretty, pretty good area to, um, yeah. to be starting up in. So, um, yeah, got invited in on the deal. And it's a, it's a huge facility down in Port Rashid where we've got over 10,000 square feet for our wow. academy. So it's a big, big academy where we've got floor vaults, beams, bars, tumble, trampolines, um, oodles and oodles yeah. of soft mats and tumble mats <laughs> and blocks. It's huge. Parkour DXB moved in and put their second site up and they launched straight away because they had the infrastructure yeah. and my journey began. It was like, right, how do I open up a business in Dubai? I know nothing about the licensing and, you know, there's, as yeah. you know, there's an investment to start up out here. You've got to get a business license, create that. Yeah. I got my fingers burned by some, with some bad advice. I met some good people. I met some bad people. It's the same around the world. Yeah. Um, I learned how chaotic it can be to uh, work with certain suppliers out here and systems and processes, you know, aren't as smooth as they could be in Europe. I, uh, you know, I learned very quick, <laughs> quickly. Right? And, and, it, and it is, it feels like um, one colleague put it to me, so this bit like the Wild West, you know, it's like, yeah. right, you've got you to gotta learn quick. Um, I went and got some legal advice and started learning about law out here, business law, um, talking to more business owners, doing some visits to gymnastic school, seeing what the syllabuses are running, looking at a pricing strategy. And I started building a list. So straight away in January anyway, we bought a domain name, uh, DubaiGymnastics.com, and we started building a list. So, you know, we've got over 7,000 people on that list now, wow. and that's been like six, seven months. So it, it's grown. Um, we started our Instagram, which is a big thing out here, the Instagram, yeah. social media mar marketing um and we started putting our 
um, messaging out here to talk about uh, ultimately building confident kids, yeah. <laughs> uh, goal setting, character building, um, life skills that we can help children with to become um, fulfilled through using gymnastics as the vessel. So, yeah, that started learning, uh, started looking at who we could employ, who we could bring out here. And I saw the big, one of our big USPs is that we're a British team or a British company. The uh, the Indian expat community love that, that we've got a British syllabus yeah. and we're in a big middle-class Indian area here yeah. of expats that, that, that come and use our facilities. So, um, and, and we are really good, like in terms of yeah. our syllabus, um, it, yeah happen to be british it's a really good british syllabus yeah. um and, and a good structure so british trained and qualified coaches we run a lot of our own coaching development and qualifications as well but we've yeah. also got coaches that have come across that have got national coaching qualifications we've got uh, former international gymnasts that are working with us here um super high caliber coaches that love what we're about, which is building confident kids through sure. the sport. We're not high pressure. We, we teach goal setting and we, we're not trying to produce the next Olympian, but if there's children with the talent that can go in that direction, we will make sure they're channeled. But we're all about inclusive, bringing children in to connect with a sport that they're gonna love because it's great fun and to learn all of the, uh, the soft skills that they, they get along the way. So yeah, that's my journey out here. So I've been out here since January. I've been back to the UK once when we bought a shipping container load of equipment across. We've had four containers of equipment come in. So we had to do all the logistics to get, you know, it's a 10,000 square foot facility, stuff, yeah. um, fully kitted out, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of uh, amazing setup. It's phenomenal. It's really cool. Um, and then, bringing the putting the infrastructure in for the staff and the training and the systems the the booking systems for the uae with the credit card processing our back-end sure. crm and online booking all of our marketing finding printers and um designers out here and people that can bring our brand to life yeah. um working with the landlord to get everything we needed to, together and, and local partners and sponsors and we've got some local ambassadors that have come on board parent ambassadors that come on board with our brand that are That's putting cool. the message out there on social so yeah. yeah big big marketing push and we're still pushing that now because we we launched it we launched in when did we launch what are we in now we're in august we launched august, in august yeah. it was about a month later than i'd have liked it was like right we're going to launch in july but we couldn't get our permissions through with our business licensing and visa quotas, as you know, you get visas for yeah. everybody that wants to work. And, and that was new to me. Quickly a, either. Nothing <laughs> happens quickly. And then there, then there was religious festivals and holidays yeah. and close downs and banks closing. And I was like, okay, yeah. this is great fun, but <laughs> all a big learn. I mean, I great fun with yeah. it all. It was like, um, yeah, I've had some not so much fun with it as well, but um, more fun than, than bad um we've we're now in a big push phase with the schools going back with booking our trials in but we've got a huge list a great engagement and we've we ran some summer camps were sold out when we opened them in august from our from our marketing so we had yeah. fully sold out summer camps in august wanted to launch in july didn't happen so we went from march april may june july yeah like five months ish or four to five months from push the button to open which i'd have liked to have done it faster but it sounds you know, pretty still pretty quick to me yeah, yeah especially quick. if you, you've got to fit out ten thousand square foot 
warehouse with fairly niche equipment that's uh, that's a pretty uh, pretty fast result i'd say yeah the shipping was a night you know it's like <laughs> it's going to arrive in time and is this coming yeah. in and who's going to clear the goods and well they're, they're, and yeah they're, they're, i mean shipping was a nightmare for everyone because there were shipping issues globally and there still are you know there's there's still quite a lot of things yeah. that you can't get into this place um you know uh, for whatever reason depending on where it's coming from and all sorts so yeah you know, that's, that was probably, um, yeah, not, I wouldn't say that was necessarily a, a Dubai specific problem. I think that that's sort of been going on everywhere. Hasn't it? A little bit. Worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were paying at least five times more for shipping than we would wow. be in normal times. Um, our shipping costs were huge. Um, in one case, we bought some mats in from the U S and the shipping cost three times more than the mats. Wow. It was just, it was ridiculous. We were like, and we, we sort of pushed the button on stuff and we couldn't undo it. It was like, yeah. we wouldn't have got, you know, you know, we don't want these mats. Um, yeah. Trying to get gymnastics niche equipment locally, just haven't been able to do it. Yeah. Even things like getting a Chromebook out here, you, um, uh, was trying to find computer stuff would seem yeah. a, bit, a bit of a nightmare at the beginning. I mean, we've got supplies now for things, but we bringing the equipment in was, was quite painful. Yeah. But, you know, we, we're set up, we've got, a huge flow of trial bookings uh, coming in now. We've we've joined up our first batch of members. We're open, so we've got the capacity for two and a half thousand members in ten wow. and a half in in ten thousand square feet. We've got hundreds that have signed up already. So we're, full. <laughs> we're we're not we're not full yet, and we're not. I mean, it, it, we're still there's there's a lot to do. Yeah. Um, what's going to probably slow us down is in bringing staff in quick enough, um, yeah. getting up to speed. So our recruitment process is pretty slick. We press a button on our, on our digital advertising and we get we get a lot of applications come sure. in. We get video applications come in and then we actually observe them coaching in at the club or gym that they're in um, before we even sort of consider them. But that's probably what would slow us down is recruitment. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. That's always something that I'm, I'm interested in for, Mm. um fairly unusual businesses you know I've, when you're in, in in finance or any other industry i've been in recruitment is a fairly straightforward process you announce you have a job you get thousands of cvs narrow them down you do some interviews but when when you have to find people with quite a niche set of skills um mm. and then you know you have to are, are you planning to relocate them are you, are you how, how what's your sort of yeah yeah, good question. Because it is, I think it's the hardest thing in any business is having is, is people, is, pe yeah. is people. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in having really solid systems where the person drives the result of the system versus trying to manage a person because you can't really manage a bag of emotion, which is what no. a human being is. Yeah, we, so we, we train our team to manage the result of the system uh, rather than the, the, the emotion. Um, we yes we relocate so we've got we, we bring people in to uh, fully serviced departments um we pay for all of that and they come into fully serviced departments with everything from a swimming pool through to room service it's like lovely so they get paid they're spoiled and they get paid <laughs> handsomely but we only bring yeah. the best in we okay. we really only do bring the best in so we we reject a lot of applications um we insist on a video application so they have to come in through video but we also run uh, the Flair University, which is our 
blended on and offline training where we can qualify a coach from zero to qualification um, through our own training and processes. And I think that's a really important part of any business model is to have your training systems and processes running to make sure your team deliver things how your brand needs it delivered. Yes, we'll ask for a national qualification from people that will fly out here, but equally we've trained up our UK team on our own qualifications. So we're currently looking to establish a training and um, qualification company in Dubai, in the UAE. So it's part of our strategy so that we can be the accreditor of these qualifications for coaching professionals uh, in gymnastics specifically um, out here. So we train them from anything from health, safety, child protection, welfare, through to how to coach a warm up, a stretch, a gymnastic skill throughout our syllabus. So it's not just the technical skills, it's yeah. also the back the backing of the safety um, and the and the welfare of the children. Which that's is a great idea, by the way. I think that's genius. Because then you get also the 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 brand association between being, you know, basically the the voice of knowledge and everything on that subject <laughs> and that transfers. That's that's very clever. Thank I like you. That. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's important because we are the experts in what we deliver and we've got, you know, we've got a great team and we've got huge experience in delivering coaching education. We do it in the UK. Um, We want to do it here, but through a company. So it's completely officially stamped and people can go, yep. That helps us out a lot when you're saying you're relocating people. That would help us a lot because at the moment you have to get the coaching qualification attested. Yeah. To, to 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 be recognized here that's a process in itself yeah which can slow things down so it's looking and i think it's the same in any business it's looking for what are the where are the things that you can shortcut by and yeah there's a bag of work to do with that but it's going to ultimately allow us to recruit faster to train faster yeah. to have the right people in place to the right level and our standards which is really important so even if somebody came in on a national qualification and we attested the certificate, they're still not going to be completely trained to our standards. So we still got to yeah. train them. So why not do it and, and, and qualify them at the same time? So that's part of how we recruit. Yes, we, 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 we pay for the accommodation and transportation costs and all the, all of those bits. And we, we, we aim to attract a fully British team. Sure. Um, that's not to say we're not open to other nationalities. Yeah. It's just like we, our niche is British, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're bringing that into Dubai, British standards and, British syllabus yeah but. that's a funny one I think as much as obviously I've not been in the UK for a while but um, it certainly almost seems like a lot of people you know they don't appreciate that Britain as a brand well Britain is a brand you know they don't appreciate that that's just the reality of it when you live abroad and you go whatever country you're in you know you see Union Jacks and stuff it's brand same as any country and it has a lot of weight and people there might get upset about why that is the case but it's irrelevant you know it is the case and you see it here british school this british and and it's not us driving it people want that so i think that you know yeah it's uh it's it's a good strategy um not just here but in any any foreign market as well right that's uh it luckily has a good weight behind it as a as a brand so that's you only learn it it does make sense and and as you said you only learn it when you if you've been out here or you've traveled yeah. and i think travel is so vital to build um uh, to, to build cultural empathy and it's yeah. so important that 
you know, kids should travel really young, you know, to, to, to build some cultural empathy to understand yeah, that we're very lucky having a British passport. We're hugely yeah, yeah. fortunate with the 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 lot the birth the birth lottery. You know, where are you born? As sure. uh, to what passport do you get? We're hugely fortunate with, with where we can travel to. Whereas, as you know, lots of the nationalities out here can't get into the UK without a substantial investment to yeah. get their visa. Uh, push through we were allowed to travel to so many places yeah. um yeah it's you've got to invest out here if you want to set up a company there's there's an investment because there's no corporation tax right so how how else are the government gonna 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 claw in revenue and it's it's through business licensing and the visa process yeah. you completely get and get that and it's, it, i've heard about the speeding <laughs> yeah, yeah speeding luckily my, my my scooter <laughs> only goes 30 kilometers an hour so i'm oh <laughs> you're safe yeah <laughs> but it, but it, but i uh you know, it, it, it's important, but yeah, recognizing that we're a brand. And I think it, as a kid, whenever you got a toy in the UK, it always said made in China on there. And I'd always yeah. wonder why did it say made in China, but absolutely recognize now as a business owner, they're building their brand. It's like yeah, made in China, made in China and everything. And yeah, we, we, we put British on, on what we're doing. Um, it, it, it carries a lot of weight, um, but you only recognize it when you can look back at when you can look back yeah. at the country or you've been out of the country for, for, for a while. Yeah. I absolutely love travel. Um, I love what it teaches me. Um, I love that it builds cultural empathy. You know, you just, you, you yeah. really do start to see it from other people's point of view in a much bigger place. When you spend, you know, over a month in a country, you, you start yeah, to course. learn bits about it um, rather than just have a sort of two week holiday somewhere. And I, yeah. I see myself as really not having an address at the moment it's like I, yeah. I i i i'm over to the us soon i want to get over to china to set stuff up i don't really see these borders um i'm fortunate as a business owner you can set up a company well, anyone can ultimately set up a company in any yeah. country and it does allow you in um because yeah. you're investing you're putting an investment in uh, into the country but i also completely recognize that that's not easy for a lot of nationalities to do because it's a oh. huge outlay of resources and cost yeah. Um, and and know and know how, but yeah, that, that's my goal. It's is to travel more and get more academies set up across okay. more places to spread so, the word. So, obviously, you said America, China. Have you got a timeline on on that at all, or is it still pipe? Well, well, chi China was supposed to be now, but okay, we got fine. this 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 this, this yeah. curveball got thrown in the way. Yeah. So China was China was supposed to be now. I'm out to the US in three weeks' time to okay. uh, start some negotiation negotiations there depending on how well that goes i'd like to think that we could sign something by the end of this year to put something cool. in place over in, in in the us i still got some projects in the uk that we, we want to get more academies up in the uk um we've got a big project in the guildford area at the moment in surrey that we're nice. putting a, a facility a facility up a big structure so we're in talks with schools and land and universities and people in the in the, in the UK regarding uh, putting this facility up. So I'm 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 spinning that one around. Um, so yeah, we'd we'd like to get an, another academy up early next year, uh, okay. whether it be in the US or the UK, depending on which one we can, you know, get, get going. Sure. Get going the fastest. Do, do you have to be physically present in those in those places for that? i think at the moment where well, i still see even though i've been in business for like 23 years i still mm -hmm. see us i i only left the stunt game six years ago and really invested in myself in as a business person 
probably eight or nine years ago started learning business, six years ago started taking it really seriously. So I still see us as a relatively young company mm. um, in terms of what we're doing with these, these academies. So initially, I think, yes, um, it's really useful to be on the ground, to be there sure. um, helping with the project. Um, I don't want to project manage the next one based on okay. experiences of this, but I want to bring my experience from this into the next one and to work with the PM so that we get, you know, all the learns from this um, in, 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 into the next one abroad. It's, I enjoy learning about the, the country's, you know, rules, laws and business structure. I think it's, you know, really fun um to, to to keep learning and it also a really good test of our systems and processes you know can if we can run it in the uk can we run it here and we can we've proven it we're open and we we got then the tills are ringing so we, we're doing we're doing something right but do i want to do i have to be physically present eventually no <laughs> um but i'll probably want yeah. to be but i'll probably just sure. get in the way uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be like, get, get out of the way yeah. but i really enjoy it I, I like seeing some i love the strategy side I love the strategy and I love seeing yeah. things, but I love seeing it when it's finished. But ultimately, I don't think things will ever be finished in what we're doing because we're constantly growing, evolve the academy. There'll always be some new, new equipment, new setups, progressions on things. So it's always it's, a, it's an evolving beast. Cool. Well, I have to say that was uh, very, very interesting. It's a unusual background, and certainly I think your business is uh, is is quite interesting as well. You know, it's it's quite different um it's anything that i'm usually exposed to you know i, I know a lot of people with online businesses only or, or financial mm. companies whatever it is um so that's quite an interesting uh yeah thanks for sharing all of that appreciate it and uh thanks for having me yeah. on yeah and uh best of luck i really hope that goes well if i'm i don't know what age you cater to but i've always fancied my myself having to go on a trampoline with one of those you know foam pits or whatever <laughs> whatever it is you are <laughs> welcome in at any time we actually yeah. do have um an adult section that we're launching oh, awesome. we've got a preschool from january we're starting the kids from two so a pre preschool two to three at the moment we start the kids from four all the way through to teenage and then we've got an adult program from 18 to 80 um, oh, wow. or older if, if, if yeah. someone's older they want to come in they can come and learn from us. We've got, you know, fantastic facility, fantastic coaches, great structure, yeah. and and building a great community in Port Rashid with uh, Flair Gymnastics Academy. And uh, has it got air conditioning? That's the only only the thing. AC, <laughs> the AC is amazing in okay. there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's super cool. We've also got a, a brand new coffee brand called Kona House Coffee that's being built as we speak that will be launched okay. in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we've got the parkour guys as our neighbours. Mm -hmm. We've also got three paddle tennis courts inside the academy. That's and a very soccer. trendy at the moment. It's paddle huge. Tennis. It's yeah, huge. Yeah. Um, paddle tennis courts. And we have a soccer, a, a five-a-side, two five-a-side soccer pitches at the back. Oh. So it's, it's a huge centre. The, the landlords are talking about putting a 50-metre swimming pool out the back. Wow. Next door, we've got four more paddle tennis courts. And then there's a roller disco company, the next <laughs> uh, warehouse along. It's become a big... Port Rashid has become a really lively, lively place um, oh, cool. with all of the all of this footfall. So yeah, come along and see us. We, uh, we definitely, definitely will. And 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 anyone watching who you know wants to find you, uh, where can they go for socials, website? I don't know if you want to plug anything. But... Yeah, sure thing. So if you go to um, flairdubai.com is our gymnastics uh, website, and then we're uh, flair flair.dubai on Instagram. Instagram is the big one. 
my Instagram, I'm sure you'll post it in the in the oh, show notes on the on here, yeah. but my Instagram is uh, Richard underscore Dwyer underscore UK. And I hang out on Instagram. I post all my travels and connect with people on, on Instagram. But flairdubai.com is our is a good place to to find us if you've got kids that want to come and get involved, come and become part of the community and, and come and say hi. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.